everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Good, good. Thanks for being here. Um, so we are um, t- starting a brand new series I'm so excited about. Um, it's, it's called, and again, you can, it, he's gone by two different names. No, everybody kind of debates what, how, how it's pronounced. Uh, but it's either, it's either Haggai or Haggai. Haggai or Haggai. And so you, we can kind of like say, no, you're, you're like, it's Haggai. And then other some would say, no, it's Haggai. Like, whatever. It's, it's one or the other. So uh, we're going to call him Haggai, okay? And so, um, so if, you, if you brought a Bible... Uh, we're going to we're talking about, you know, we're going to spend a few weeks in, in Haggai. Um, so if you brought a Bible, uh, you, you can go ahead and open it up to Haggai if you want. Go ahead and do that if you, if you brought a Bible. Um, so this is the point where, you know, for me, you know, as a pastor, you know, I can go right there. You know, it's just, it's easy, real easy for me to find um, because I knew what I was going to preach on and I had it in my bookmark already uh, set and ready to go. Aren't you... Glad. So, just in case you you were wondering where Haggai is, it's it's between uh, Zephaniah and Zechariah. So, if you're wondering, now you know, right? Now you know where to find Haggai. Okay, it's between Zephaniah and he- uh, Zechariah. Um, and so, but aren't you glad for the digital Bible when the preacher starts talking about minor prophets, right? You're like, I can just go to open up my app, you know, and search through my digital Bible and find Haggai, okay? So, so Haggai, uh, the, even though it's a very, very small, small book, that's why it's, he's called a minor prophet, um, it, it's a very, very small book, but it packs a big, big punch, okay? So I want to just kind of set the scene for us a little bit. Um, how, how many of you have ever been in a season in your life where um, you just thought you would be at a different place. You thought it would be, there was something to be, uh, you know, more, uh, the expectation was, was a little, was more than what you thought it would be. You know, maybe for, at a time in your life when, you know, you were getting ready to go to college and, and, you, and you're beginning college and you're sort of start, trying to figure out, I don't know what my major is, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to major in. I don't know, you know, what I want to do with my life. And so you thought by the time you got to college, this is where you're going to, you know, you're going to know exactly what you wanted to do. Maybe, maybe for you, you're in a career, you, you, uh, you went to school, you got a degree, uh, but you're not necessarily doing the job that you went to school to do. Uh, you got a certain degree, but you're, you find your, found yourself in a different job than what you, what you thought. Maybe for, for you, it's, um, you know, you're like, I thought I would be married by now. You know, I'm at a certain age. And I thought it would, you know, I'd, be, I'd be settled down, but I'm just, I'm just not there yet. And I thought I, thought I would be at this, at this time. Maybe it's a, a marriage relationship that you're in. Maybe it's just when, in, with, your, with your relationships. You kind, you kind of, you know, you still, you've been married for a certain amount of time. And you're still sort of working through some of the issues. And you're still sort of arguing about the same things you've argued about, you know, years in the past, you know. I, I don't know. Maybe for you, you financially, you know, you're like, I thought I'd be more financially secure right now. You're like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to retire. I thought I would be able to retire, you know, five years from now or a few years from now. But really, I just, I think I'm going to have to just, I'm just going to have to keep working because I'm just not quite there. Maybe it's a health thing for you. Maybe your health isn't just, 
You know, you, you're like, you have all these ambitions of, of doing things and being active and, you know, you're, you're want, you want to be able to, you know, do things in this life, but your health just hasn't allowed you to be able to do those things. And you just thought, I just thought at this time and this season of my life that it would be different, that it would be better. And I just feel like everything seems to be falling short on particular areas of my life. Well, this is sort of how the people felt at the time of Haggai. It felt like they were going to be in a, a different place. The backstory of it was that um, King Solomon, maybe many of you have heard of King Solomon. King Solomon was a, a tremendous king. He was the wisest man to walk on earth outside of, outside of Jesus. King Solomon was, at the time, he was a king where, where there was sort of the golden age of the nation of Israel. They, they experienced tremendous amount of wealth and prosperity. They had tremendous amount of peace. They were not at war. Nobody even wanted to challenge the nation of Israel at this time because they were just, they were just a powerhouse at the time. And as a result of all the peace and all the prosperity that they were experiencing, um, they had, Solomon had an opportunity to do what his father wished that he could do, and that was to build a house for the Lord, to build a temple. And so King Solomon said, I'm going to build this amazing, beautiful, you know, extravagant temple, and that's what he did. And people would come from all over the place to come, and they would want to see this beautiful temple that King Solomon built for God. It was absolutely amazing. But as years went on, Solomon, his heart sort of turned away from God. He found himself kind of involved in relationships that he shouldn't have been involved in. He found himself worshiping other gods or other deities that wasn't the one and only true God of Yahweh. And as a result of that, as, as the king was beginning to steer and move his heart away from God, the people, the people were also doing the same. Then after Solomon died, the, the nation of Israel was divided. It was a tr great uh, civil war that, that took place or, or a civil divide that took place and the, the nation divided. And they, they just, one bad king after another, one bad king after another. And the people of God just found themselves at a place where they were now being overtaken by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were the powerhouse at the time. Just to kind of give us some dates to kind of see what's, what's going on in 598 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon laid siege of Jerusalem. In 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying the city and Solomon's temple. In 538 BC, now the new powerhouse nation is the Persian uh, nation empire. And King Cyrus of Persia destroys Babylon and allows 50,000 Jews to head home to Judah to rebuild the temple, completing only the foundation of the temple. And then in 520 BC, Haggai appears, urging God's people to get back to what they were set free to do. So as you can see, between 538 and 520, they were allowed to go back after their city was destroyed and after their temple was destroyed, 
They were allowed to go back to, to be, begin to rebuild the temple because that was the, the epicenter of what they were about, that the, the, their, their heart was the heart of God or was meant to be the heart of God. They were the people of God. And so from 538 to 520 BC until Haggai appears and he begins to urge them to continue what they started, to continue what they started. So why was there... Why was there 18 years of no progress? Why 18 years of no progress? What was going on? What, was, what were the people's mindsets at the time? Well, what was happening was, is oftentimes what happens to many of us. What oftentimes happens to many of us. They were comfortable and they were complacent. They were comfortable and they were complacent. They were allowed to go after being, you know, under oppression, you know, for, for 50 to 60 years they were allowed to go back to their city again and to begin to rebuild again. And as they began to start building the temple, they only finished the foundation. And then because of comfort and complacency, it was still left undone. And Haggai shows up and says, come on, we've got to finish this. There's a reason why God set us free, that there's a work that needs to be done. And so Haggai, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. Are we okay with that if we call him Shealtiel? Okay. Governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Are we good with Jehozadak? Okay. The high priest saying, verse 2, this is what the Lord of armies says. This people says the time has not come. The time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Now, pause, pause. This is interesting to me because oftentimes when God would talk about his people, he would say, my people, my people. But here you see, he doesn't say my people. He says, this people this people. This reminded me of like when, when I will come home uh, from, from somewhere and, and my wife has been dealing with our kids and she wouldn't say our kids. She would say your kids, right? She would like, I'm not owning this. They're yours. This is your problem. Like this is, this is what this feels like, right? Like God is like, come on. Like the, these people, this people says, the time has not yet come. The time for the house of the Lord to be built. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying this. Here's what he says. It is, is it time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house remains desolate? So here's their, what I call their excuses for complacency. Their excuses for complacency. And this is still to this day probably our number one used excuse. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. Like I don't know how I don't know about you, but I, I like how many times have I said and have you said this? I don't have time. 
I don't have time. I, I, got, I got places to be. I got people to see. I got things to do. I got, you know, I've got a, I got a lot happening. I got a lot on my plate. I got a job. I got kids. I got a mayor. I got all these things that I got to work out through. And I got a hobbies and habits and all these things. Like, I, just, I just don't have time. But here's, here's what I don't have time oftentimes is translated to. This is not a priority. I, I know, I hate to break it to you. So if you hear, you hear, I don't have time, what that really means is this is not a priority. And so this is what the people were saying of why when Haggai showed up, why they couldn't get the temple done is because they were saying it's just not the time or I, we don't have Time. This is what they were, this is their, was their excuses. I don't have time. This is not a priority. But here's the thing all of us make time for what is most important to us. All of us will do that. All of us, if, 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 if getting in better health is a, pr- a priority to you, you're going to make time to get into better health. If a relationship is a priority to you, you're going to make time for that relationship. If, if doing something enjoyable, something that you like to do is, is a priority to you, you're going to make time for that. If, if you know, eating healthy or whatever the case is, if, is a priority, you're going to make time to do that. All of us will say, I don't have time. But when we say that, we're saying, this is just not as important as other things. This is not a priority. And so that was their, their you know, reason, that was their excuse for their complacency. Re- doing that, rebuilding the house of God wasn't their priority. God wasn't their priority. And when something is important to us, we make it a priority. We make time for it. So their expenses, what I call their expenses for comfort. Now, here's what I also know. We will expense for comfort. We will do it whatever we can for, for comfort, okay? Listen, and here's the other thing I don't, want you to, I don't want you to hear. Going on vacations are not a bad thing. I just got back from one. It was great. Doing, spending things, spending money is, is a good thing. Like, all these things are, these are not bad, bad things, okay? So, but there's oftentimes expenses for our comfort, right? They, they, they cost us things. So, for them, here's what he gives. It was sort of this weird description of what was a priority to them. A weird description for a priority. That they were, what he describes as paneled houses, that they were, they, were do, they were living in paneled houses. Now, I don't know how, you know, modern that is anymore. Like, I don't know if for you, you're like, yeah, I, I rip out all the paneling. Like, I don't know, you know, how, how in, in style this, this, this interior design is these days. But for them, at this time, this was like, this represented high-end living. 
This was like, for them, they were like, they, were, they, they got back from captivity, they were rebuilding, but they were focusing on their own things. For us, our paneled houses are our health, our wealth, and our happiness. Now, is there anything wrong with health, wealth, or happiness? No, of course not. Of course not. But when our health, wealth, and happiness, when our expense for comfort takes precedent over our relationship with God, that's when it's a problem. When it takes priority. That's why Jesus, when he came, when he came from eternity and he came to earth, when he came from having the perspective and the framework of eternity and he comes to earth, he says to us, don't store up your treasures on earth. They just, they, they decay. They die. They disintegrate. They, they don't last. He says, instead, store up your treasures in heaven, which lasts forever. Like, don't store up your treasure on earth. Don't store up your treasures in heaven. You know, as you know, matter of fact, Jesus calls these things the thorns of life, the thorns of life that choke out the will and the word of God. Okay? Here's what he describes as thorns of life that choke out the will and the word of God in your life. He says that concerns, he says that wealth, And he says that the pleasures of this life are like thorns that choke out the will and the word of God in your life. This is the perspective that Jesus wants us to have. Health, wealth, happiness are not bad things in and of themselves, but when they become the priority... When they become the thing that we put first in our lives, that's when they are a problem. A problem. As a matter of fact, Paul tells Timothy. Here's what he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. Hey, Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited. In other words, Don't think that they're rich because of anything that they did. Don't think that they're rich because of their, you know, willingness to, to, you know, find a good deal or or work hard. He's like, just know that they're rich because I've allowed that to happen. Who are rich in this present, not to be conceited, or to set their hope on the uncertainties of riches, but on God, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy and then he says this instruct them instead to do good and to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share he's saying hey like come on like you you if you are wealthy and you got stuff and you live in paneled houses congratulations But he's saying, listen, I want you to know that where where true fulfillment and satisfaction come from are not in that. 
They don't come with, you know, living in high and living or taking nice vacations or, you know, driving nice cars or whatever the case is for you or having lots of money in your bank account. That's not how you actually feel fulfilled and satisfied in this life. That's not actually how you're rich. And what, what Paul is telling Timothy and what really God is telling us is, you know how you feel rich? You know how you are rich? Is that you are rich in, by doing good. You're rich in good works. You're rich when you're generous. You're rich when you're ready to share. Why? Because it be, doesn't become about your kingdom. It becomes about God's kingdom. It becomes about not storing your treasures here on earth, but storing your treasures in heaven. Because Jesus said this. He said, hey, where your treasure is, your heart will be also what is the thing that is most important to you that's where your heart that's where your feelings will be that's where your emotions will be he says so make sure that nothing else is your treasure other than god and if god is not your treasure here's how you're gonna feel and here's the way that haggai describes it here's look what he says you have sown much, only to harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but there is not enough for anyone to get warm. And the one who earns, earns wages to put into a money bag full of holes. Like, anybody ever feel that in life? You're like, oh, man, I'm like working as hard as I can, and I just I seem to be just harvesting very little. Like, I, I eat, but it doesn't feel like I'm getting satisfied. I, I drink, but I'm not getting full. I, I work, and I earn a lot of money, but it feels like, like my, my pockets have holes in them. And this is the feeling that we get when something other than God becomes our priority. When we're looking for comfort. When we're looking for health and wealth and happiness. And that becomes the thing that is our treasure. This is ultimately where we find ourselves in. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, there's times in my life, but this is, this is how it feels. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, but it seems like I got holes in my pocket. I'm eating, and I'm drinking, and I'm clothing myself, but it just doesn't, it's just not keeping me warm. And this is the danger. When we go for comfort, we get complacent. We get complacent. So here's the instruction for us. Now then, the Lord of armies says this. He says, consider your ways. He says it again in verse 7. He says, the Lord of armies says this. Consider your ways. In other words, examine the circumstances that you're in. Examine your life, examine your, your finances and your, your relationships, your marriage with your kids, your, your, your career. He says, listen, listen, I want you, I want you to consider 
the intent and the, and the motivation for not what you do, but why you do what you do. Not what you do, but why you do what you do. He says, I want you to examine that. I want you to consider, he says, to consider your ways. Consider your ways. What that means is this. Set your mind and heart on it. It's when you set your mind and heart on it. How many of you have ever just decided like, you know, you just have your mind set, your heart set on something to eat? Anybody ever have that? You're like, you're like, I remember like thinking, okay, we're, we're going to go out and we're, we're going to go out to a Mexican restaurant. And if I know that I'm going out to a Mexican restaurant, I know that I'm going to get me some carne asada fajitas and I'm going to throw down on some chips and salsa. And so I get my heart set, right? I get my mind set on fajitas and chips and salsa. So I spend the whole day knowing that at that time, man, I'm going to just, just go crazy at this, my favorite Mexican restaurant. And so I, I don't snack at all. You know, I eat very little because I know, like, I know, like, I don't want to snack because I, I got to save, you know, the calorie counts for the chips and the salsa, you know, that I'm going to just keep asking the waiter to keep it coming, keep it coming, keep it coming, all right? You know, so we, that's what happens, like, or, or maybe you have a goal in mind, right? You have a, a set goal, something that you want to buy, something you want to achieve, maybe, maybe it's something that you want to purchase or, or, or a trip that you want to go on, so you, you set your mind on it. That these, these are your goals. This is what's important. This is where you want to get to, and you know that's how you got to get to it. This is what he's telling us. Consider your ways. Examine your circumstances. Set your heart on it. That I'm going to make God a priority. Because when God's not a priority, I feel empty. When God's not a priority, it doesn't seem like it's enough. When God's not a priority, I don't feel fully satisfied in my life. When God's not the priority. And so he's saying to you and to me, hey, set your heart on this. Make this a priority. Consider your ways. And he goes on to say this in verse 9. You start an ambitious project, but behold, it comes to little. Anybody feel that? <laughs> Start an ambitious project, and you're like, you're into this project, and you're like, boy, do I regret starting this project. And then you're done, and then you're just like, that's it? It's over when you bring it home. Then he says this, next rest of the verse, why? 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 Declares the Lord of armies. And here's what he says. It is because of my house, which remains desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. You've started an ambitious project, and you're like, just once it's done, you're like, and God's going, it's because you made something else. You've made someone else more important. 
you've set your priorities on something that you thought was going to make you happy and fulfilled and satisfied. When at the end of the day, what you really need is a heart for God and to be in the will of God. And when that's desolate, when that's empty, when that's not quite hitting the mark that you know, you know, God's going, come on, consider your ways. Examine your circumstances and set your heart on it. Why? Because for God, it's never about your house. It's always about your heart. It's not about your house. Work, take a trip, have a blast, buy awesome things. But that's not your treasure. That's not your treasure. It's not about your house. It's about your heart. This is what God's going for. So Jesus is saying, here, here's, here's, what, I, here's the, what I want you to do. You seek first his kingdom. You seek first his righteousness. And all these things, all these things that you, we get concerned about and we worry about, is this going to work out? Is this going to make, you know, make, make it work or happen? Is this going to happen for me? He says, all these things that we lose sleep over, have anxiety over, worry about. He says, all these things, he says, will be provided to you. That God's saying, listen, come on. You put, you put my kingdom first. Not your kingdom, you put my kingdom. Not your little world, my world. Not your house, my house. You put my kingdom and his righteousness ahead of anything else. And God says, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. He'll take responsibility. He'll take responsibility when you decide to seek him first. Seek him first. So now, what do we do with this? Well, we got to execute the changes. We got to execute the changes. Now, this next verse, don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. This next verse is going to be so incredibly practical and helpful for you. I'm telling you, I haven't seen a verse like this in quite some time. And when I read this, I said, we are doing weeks on Haggai or Haggai or whoever his name is. Are you ready for this? I, you get your cameras out because you're going to want to take pictures of this slide right now. Are you ready? Here it is. Go up the mountain, bring wood, rebuild the temple, that I may please with it and be honored, says the Lord. Go up the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple. And God will be pleased and honored by it. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're like, how is this helpful? Like, first of all, we live in Michigan. There's no mountains. 
Like, where do I got to go to find a mountain? And then I got to bring wood? Bring wood where? Rebuild what? I don't know. What, is this? what does this mean? What is... Listen, listen, listen. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. First of all, does this sound like work to anybody else? It sounds like a lot of work. Like, go up a mountain, chop down timbers. Other version says, bring the timbers. Like, cut, they're like literally saying, chop down trees, bring the timber or bring the wood and start rebuilding the temple. Now, this, there's so much more specifics and details that are involved with this, but, but God is going, listen, let's worry about the details and the specifics later. Let's just keep it simple, sweetheart. Okay. I thought you were going to call me stupid for a second there. Let's just keep it simple. Go up the mountains, bring the wood, rebuild the temple. Now, when it comes to executing change in our lives, let's just keep it simple, sweetheart. For example, for example, when it comes to your health, stop eating junk, find a program, get active. Let's keep it simple, right? Now, getting healthy, does that sound like a lot of work? Yeah, but let's just keep it simple. Stop eating junk, find a program, get active, okay? Here, let me give you another one. Marriage. Get help, make time, be selfless. Is marriage complicated? Yeah. Is it a little bit more complicated than that? Sure, but can we just start here? Like, if you need help when you're, get help. If you're having marriage issues, get help. Make time for each other. Be selfless, okay? I don't know. Here, give me, give me give you another one. Finances, budget, one debt at a time, have self-control. Is, our, is finances a little bit more complicated? Sure, but let's just keep it simple, sweetheart. Okay. Here we go. I got another one. Raising a teenage boy. Seal him in a barrel, feed him through the knot hole, and when he turns 16, plug the hole. I'm looking at you too, Jake. Is this good, is this good advice or what? This is Mark Twain advice. This is Mark Twain advice. How about your spiritual growth? Go to church, read your Bible, and pray. Can it be a little bit more complicated than this? Sure. But let's just keep it simple. Go to church. Oh, you, you want to know how to pray? Pray? Oh, oh praise can, can be complicated. Wake up early, get to a quiet place, and just talk to God. Yep. Uh, discipleship, uh, that, let's just get in community. Get a resource tool and set a schedule with those people. Forgiveness, oh, forgiveness, that's complicated. Stop what you're doing immediately. This is from the Bible. Connect with the person and then reconcile. It's as simple as 
go up the mountain, bring the wood, and just start rebuilding what God wants to do. For us, hey, let's stop living in a state of comfort and complacency. And let's say there are some things. Come on, let's be honest. There's something in our lives that needs to be rebuilt. And so let's just do the simple thing to start. And as you go and do the simple thing, what you're doing is you're ultimately seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then as you go and do the simple thing, all the complicated things will begin to fall into place. And then you'll experience true fulfillment, true satisfaction, and the joy and peace that is only offered by God. So let's do that. Let's do that. So it ends by saying some really long verse (laughs) with some really complicated names. Then Z, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, Dak, the high priest, with all the remnants of people, look, 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 this is important, obeyed, obeyed, obeyed the voice of their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, just as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Reverence for the Lord. Verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, this is so important, I am with you. I'm with you. And he says in verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of armies, their God. Listen, you got to work on it. You've got to work. If you want to rebuild something that seems... You just wish you were at a different place, a better place. You wish there was more than where you're at in this particular season of your life. You got to work. You got to work on it. And you can know that the Lord of armies, you know what that means? That means that he is the commander in chief over all things in heaven and on earth earth he's the commander he is in charge he is the lord of and in some versions says he's the lord of the angel armies 
And the Lord of the angel armies, as you're beginning to just work on, you're going up that mountain, you're bringing that wood, and you're building that temple, the Lord of the angel armies is saying to you, I'm with you. You're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. You have a lot to do, and you have a lot to build, and you have a lot to work on. You become comfortable and complacent for too long. Let's go. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to doing the thing that you know you were set free to do. That is to make Jesus number one priority in your life. And when something else becomes that priority, you're never going to feel and experience the life that God, the full life that God has for every single one of us. The Lord of armies is with you. Nothing, nothing, nothing can be against you when he is for you. Not a thing. So we're going to do something real simple right now. Real simple, but yet so powerful, so impactful. So I... I'm just so honored and blessed to have um, some, some couples, engaged couples, um, with us uh, this morning. And I just want us as a church to pray for them, okay? I just want us to pray. We're just get it real simple, okay? I just want us to pray for them. So why don't you guys come, I, those of you that are, that are here, to come on, come on down. Just come on forward if you wouldn't mind, just real quick. And uh, one of the couples wasn't able to, to be here uh, with us th- this morning. Awesome, awesome. This is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So come on up. Let's face that way just so the camera can see you guys. We were watching. Come on, you can get in front of the TV. It's okay. Yeah, we're done with the TV for right now. Come on over here, Madeline and Alex. Thank- there you go. Awesome. So, um, so I'm just going to stand right here. Is this weird? This is kind of weird. Right? I don't know. How you doing? All right. So we're just gonna we're just gonna pray for these guys. So so amazing. So these guys in the next you know few weeks, months or whatever are gonna get get married and um and some of them I get to be a be a part of this ceremony. Um and, and I'm I'm just super super honored and blessed by that. Um, but I you know I do I do have a gift for you guys. Um in in light of the um, go up a mountain, bring wood and rebuild okay i brought you guys some axes all right so here you go there's yours okay there's there's yours here you go there you go i'll let you get they're not real all right they're not real just so you know all right there you go so um so yeah and you know i had to have a prop you're like man he almost went through a whole sermon without a prop but i have one don't worry don't you worry okay and so um this is just, guys, this is just, remember, like, this is just a, just say, hey, marriage is, is, is hard, okay? Marriage is hard. It's tough, you know? It's, it's fulfilling. It's delightful. It's amazing. It's satisfying, but it just takes work. You got to work. You got to work at it, okay? You got to work at it. And so you, you, you just need to know, you just need to know that when it comes to marriage, again, we'll just, we'll just try to keep it really, really simple, okay? We'll just try to keep it really, really simple. Get, get help if you need it. Get help, okay? 
And I'd be happy to, my wife and I would be happy to be a help to you and encouragement to you, okay? I know Pastor Jason and his wife, Laura, they're just celebrating 17 years uh, of, of marriage, wherever they're at, uh, 17 years. Yeah, this weekend, yeah. And so um, we would, there's a number of people in this room here that have been married longer than I have and longer, than, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, there's so, like, you guys have so much help. Like, this is incredible. Like, I'm just seeing, you know, there's this a tremendous amount of help. So get help. Get help if you need it, okay? Make time for each other. I'll be, I, I need to not swing this around, so, all right? <laughs> so make, make time. Make time for each other, okay? Make, make, that, make that a priority. Make it, make it a priority. Communicate, communicate, okay? And, 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 and I'm telling you, the, these are the things that, will, that are going to make, make the, the difference. They're going to make the difference. And be... Man, each of you, be selfless. Be selfless, yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you want to, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. If you want to extend your hand out as if we're, we're just putting it on, on them, this is a, it's symbolic. It's just symbolic of a way to just say, hey, we're support you. We're with you. We're for you. We're excited about what God has in store. We're going to do that right now. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, God, I am just so grateful for having an opportunity to um, just to share and to encourage and to be a part of uh, their lives and, and as they begin this, this marriage journey, this covenant relationship that you established, you started, you made, and it's a priority, God, to you, and it's a, it's a picture of your love for us and our love for you. It's ultimately a picture of that. It's, a, it's an illustration. And so, Father, as you're illustrating as in their lives, as they're illustrating your love for them and their love for each other. God, I just pray, uh, Lord, that you just give them encouragement and blessing, watch over them, lead them, guide them, direct them, give them wisdom, just to keep things really, really simple, just to not be afraid to ask for help when they need it. Lord, not to be worried about any of that, but just know that the, everybody knows that marriage is, just can be tough and, and we need some support and encouragement from time to time to make time for each other, to make that, make that a priority in their lives, spend time with each other. And then ultimately, Lord, just to be people that are selfless, that we consider, just as your, your word teaches us, that we consider one another more important than ourselves. That's the simplicity of the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He just considered us. He considered us more important than himself. And that's what we do in our relationships. That's what we do in this marriage. So God, I pray that that's the case for each one that here. That they, in a, in a sense, they go up that mountain, they bring the wood, and they rebuild or they build a marriage that is all about you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give them a round of applause, guys. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right, so um, let's pray again and we'll be dismissed. Father, thanks so much for your love and kindness for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thanks,